0: Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and a life on their own terms. I'm Willow, your host, media coach at B Productions. As a media coach, I meet you and your team where you are to improve your on-camera presence and storytelling. Together, we create engaging videos you'll be proud to share far and wide. All of the guests on this show have a really big mission and inspiring story to tell. You'll hear messy truths and unconventional paths of entrepreneurs who are showing up and being seen and we dive deep into that experience. I'm excited for you to meet my next guest. Okay, let's get to it. Do you envision yourself giving a TED talk, sharing your message and changing the world? Well, if that is your thing, you've been wanting to do that I have the perfect guest for you. His name is Asker Lindholt. He's based in Denmark and this guy followed a very academic path getting a PhD in ship coding which he will explain and followed that path until he realized this was not his passion. And he wanted to really follow and find something that would make a real difference in people's lives. So nowadays, Asker is a professional public speaker and trainer. He's proud to say that he's helped dozens of individuals, organizations, high-profile speakers, entrepreneurs, academics, and TEDx speakers. He is the go-to person if you want to master the art of sharing your message from the stage. Without further ado, let's meet the man of the hour, Asker Lindholtz. Thank you for being on the show. And I I have so many questions, like always, but especially for you, because we don't actually know each other. We recently met online on on LinkedIn. As I was saying that, I'm like, met online. That could mean something else, too. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You you have your own show on LinkedIn. You are a professional speaker, trainer, um, you train TEDx speakers, entrepreneurs, professionals in all fields. And so, and you also have a lot of letters after your name. You're an academic as well. Yeah, and so yeah, true. I'm like, hmm, this person is so interesting. And um, and so this show is is really all about you know your story, your path, and and how you, you know, kind of came to where you are today and also being seen. So as an entrepreneur, especially as a public speaker. professional public speaker you are really putting yourself out there and being seen so I would love to dive into that experience as well with you yeah so I'm here to dive in and uh yeah
1: anyway thank you a lot for taking the time to to do all the work and uh yeah I'm happy you want to interview me yeah of course good to be here
0: awesome and you're based in Copenhagen right
1: Copenhagen yeah right now I'm just at home here in my apartment I got my three kids sent off to uh to school and the other ones to kindergarten and my wife's off to work so uh yeah it's pretty nice
0: yes so you're home and this is like your your vortex your yeah studio
1: this is where i'll often have clients as well um yeah okay in person the cleaning a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you know i i I do both virtual okay uh, obviously because of COVID, which pushed i think all of us to to expand our comfort zone and do new things i never thought, you know, that virtual could be as good, but Mm -hmm. I do see a lot of benefits from it. Mm -hmm. It's such a great way because obviously it is a little bit harder to connect deeply uh, with people, but I do actually find it is very possible Mm -hmm. and and it's very fast. You can just dive into the camera very quickly. And um, yeah, there's a lot of benefits, I always do my, I always record my sessions with, with my clients, if it's online and then I give it to them, they have it forever. They mm-hmm. can use it and um, it's, it's just a great way to work. And if they, yeah, I can also do that with people who I work with physically, just send them a video. But I think just being virtual, uh, you're more prone to really do and use that uh, medium you have available. So I think everybody that's afraid to go virtual, go do it. I'm going to do work with uh, yeah, people all around the world now. So exactly. I think it's been great to, to be pushed out to do that.
0: Yeah. So your network or the people that you were mainly working with were are based in Denmark?
1: Uh, no, not really. All over. Okay. Um, obviously, I, I'll probably say about 50% of the people I work with are mm-hmm. based in Copenhagen. The other 50% are people virtually. Right. Israel, Scotland, US, uh, mm-hmm. South Africa. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So COVID, did that, is that really pushed you to go?
1: It, it pushed me to go virtual
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I thought how can I deliver as much value virtual? Mm
2: -hmm. And I
1: think, you know, I was a little bit reluctant to it. And then there's also the first part was like, oh, COVID, what's that? Everything stopped. I actually had a few clients on the hook and they all kind of, you know, went away because, oh, you know, I don't think we can do it virtual. And I wasn't even ready for it. So it took me a couple of months to say, Hey, this thing is sticking around, you know, and I thought now it's the opportunity actually to grow. And with mediums like LinkedIn YouTube, we can reach people. Mm -hmm. all across the world so you know we should do that we should take that opportunity and do it so um so yeah COVID pushed me and i think everybody else in this industry and it's gonna keep being like this and right now it's pretty funny because i often go to conferences as well sometimes i will actually prefer a virtual conference because it's much faster just to dive into the computer Mm -hmm. sure it's not as energetic um as being right there but i do save a lot of time and if it is not great value it's a lot easier just to press the cross and you're out right yeah um but but i definitely do prefer being there but in terms of saving time it's can be worth it
0: yes and it seems like such a mix these days
1: yeah you know you have three kids so if i got to put them asleep in the evening it's it's pretty nice you can just log on to a webinar Mm -hmm. uh, once they're sleeping and uh, yeah that's pretty nice
0: Right. So it sounds like life was much different before COVID happened, that you were traveling yeah. quite a bit, speaking on stages yourself.
1: Oh, no, I didn't travel back then. I would mainly just have my clients here in Copenhagen Okay, back then. But, you know, throughout the last year, it's expanded to have more clients uh, mm-hmm. abroad. So, so no, okay. I, I wouldn't be doing a lot of traveling um, before that because okay. very small kids. It's right. Like a little bit of a problem. I would just stay within Denmark mainly. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: So you made your mark in Den in Denmark.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's cheesy. Um, okay. <laughs> I can't help myself.
1: So uh, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so take us back to your let's go to your academic life, or even farther back okay. than that. Uh, so going. because it is quite different. And so you 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 have a Master's in chemical engineering, and then you had a PhD in boat coating.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was working with the ship coating. Yeah. Um,
0: Which yeah. is the, yeah, very. Specific. Yeah, you know,
1: you got to Well, to people that are in the industry, you want to paint your boat because otherwise it gets full of algae and slime and mussels, mm-hmm. and that you know, can obviously make you sail a lot slower. So, right. that's a huge industry. We don't see it is below it? the water. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah.
0: Okay. And then you were in the oil and gas industry.
1: Yeah, I worked there for years. Um uh, okay. into a screen.
0: Yep. Computer all day. And much, yeah. And I like, well, again, I'll let you speak, but I like what you said about you you were you wanted to follow this different path. You had this dream of doing something that made a difference. And then, you know, but it took you a while to get there. Yeah. So walk us through walk us through that.
1: Process. Yeah, I think you know most things. Most of the issues, challenges we have in life often come from our childhood. Oh yeah, and I you know, so it, it took me probably a, a good thirty years to kind of realize that, that many mm-hmm. of the challenges and issues I had came from my up uh, from my upbringing. You know, um, I grew up in an academic family. My mom was a dentist. Uh, my dad, a biologist. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, the kind of were quite interested in, in science and my brother was very enthusiastic about physics and math. So yeah, I was kind of you know um, pushed a little bit that way and my dad, uh, he didn't give me a whole lot of attention and you know, a little bit of a wooden man. So I think on a subconscious level, I was trying to you know get that appraisal, get that love and you know, get that recognition. And he cared a lot about school. He cared a lot about getting good grades. Um, so that was one way to get some sort of recognition Mm-hmm. And obviously that the scientific classes would be the best um, in, in his point of view. So I think that was a large degree why I pursued that path. But being a student was okay. I kind of liked being with my friends at uni
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: know doing the work. I wasn't super excited about it, but it was okay. I kind of liked it. But I remember my first day in the oil and gas industry. I'd been there probably you know 20 minutes. I got set up, I got a great mentor and I was about to work on a project. And I thought, this seems incredibly boring. Oh, no. and I was only 20 minutes into it, having studied five years. And then I was pretty good at listening to other people's advice. So, you know, I, you know, my friends say, you got to stick a little bit around, you know, cause it's going to get more interesting later. So I stuck around six months. Then the financial crisis came and people were just happy if you had a job. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, will let me stick with this. So I stuck with it for four years. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. Nice people, good company, good pay. So all of those things make it harder to leave as well. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted in my life either. So like, why should I quit to do something which I don't know what is? So nobody, i never really asked myself the question. I never really found the tools to discover it. And then you also, if you do find something you love, uh, you're going to have to have the confidence. I like playing football, but yeah, I could see, you know, that it's not going to be <laughs> realistic. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, then I ended up doing a PhD. I had some of my friends at uni that yeah, they, they loved doing a PhD. And I thought, well, I, I kind of like being at university. I didn't love it. So I pursued a PhD. And that was probably the worst thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I really like being with people. I'm quite extroverted. Mm -hmm. and at that environment in a technical university people are typically very introverted and the work you do is also you're very much alone sure you have a supervisor who can help you but they only have a limited amount of time and it's not really you don't have really that banter you don't really have that kind of friendship it's a very professional relationship at least the one i had so i thought it was pretty tough for me uh i ended up finishing it and, and doing okay with it, but I didn't really enjoy it and so so yeah and then I discovered along the way, you know as part of being a PhD student, you have to teach other uh, bachelor students or master's students, I, hmm. I really enjoyed that that was part of what I really enjoyed. Okay. I thought, okay, what can I do in order to work with people and you know teach and then I became a high school teacher and, and that was pretty fun uh, I like that, but you know. There are also certain limitations to being a high school teacher in terms of pay, in terms of time, mm-hmm. in terms of working with who you wanna work with. So being an independent, I think has so many more benefits, uh, mm-hmm. creating your own schedule, creating your own wealth and, and being able to work with the people you really wanna work with. Yeah. Um, I love my students, they're, they're very nice, but it is also different if somebody walks in my door and they're highly passionate from day one, and they just really want to go at it um so so yeah i think this suits me even better um so yeah that that's kind of my story mm-hmm. and then there's obviously the journey of how to grow your own business all the limitations, all the things and, and yeah all that thing but but yeah i'm at a good point now i think you know i can grow my business i can scale it uh, I can learn mm-hmm. it, uh but it, it takes a while to get over that initial uh you can say step where you start believing in yourself and actually having clients that are happy and and i didn't have the degree i didn't study rhetoric i didn't study public speaking i mm-hmm. just happened to like it so there's a little bit of an imposter syndrome as well you're going to get over and, and think about you know i can do this too it's a learnable skill and it's actually funny when you see the people who make it pretty big within this industry as a speaker often they usually they've never studied rhetoric <laughs> They have taught themselves. I'm not saying that's anything wrong. Studying rhetoric, Mm -hmm. if I could have done that, I probably would have done it, but um, it shouldn't be a limitation to to grow yourself. And I think most skills, or pretty much any skill is learnable. And if we have the passion and the confidence, we can learn this. Mm -hmm. So we have YouTube, we have the internet, there are people available we can hire for help. So it's all about just finding that path yourself and diving into it. So it's never too late to change. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And when did you realize that it was the speaking part? So I'm picturing you like in front of the classroom, a small classroom of people, and you're, you know, realizing all oh, the that I uh, yeah, like. Yeah,
1: I think, I think for me, it was probably when I joined a club called Toastmasters. Oh, um, um, yeah. One time I joined a seminar because I'm an engineer. And I, I thought, yeah, it's, Pretty nice, you know, to, to learn the skill presenting, it's not the most important thing as an engineer, but it's pretty good to learn. and I signed up at a seminar at the engineering association, and uh, I really liked that. I thought that was mm-hmm. fun, you know. I just had 15 minutes up, and I talked about even my ship coding that I wasn't even highly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, that was pretty fun. And then I thought, what can I do to learn more about this? And I found Toastmasters. So I joined Toastmasters for a couple of years, and to the people that don't know it, it's like a nonprofit organization all over the world. So if you're living in any just fairly big city, I'm sure there's going to be a place for you and you can come and practice and do speeches, typically five to 10 minutes and get feedback from the other members. Uh, so I learned a ton there, but obviously there are also a lot of limitations to Toastmasters. It's regular folks that go there that have an interest within it.
3: Mm-hmm. It's not
1: professional speaking. Mm-hmm. So you need to go, at least in my opinion, outside of Toastmasters. To get really good, it's a great place to get started. See mm-hmm. if you like it, and that's what I did. Um, so that's really where my passion sparked for for public speaking. I did have a lot of interest. I also like, you know, accelerated learning, how we can get really good at things. So in the beginning, I made a mistake. Probably a lot of entrepreneurs make it. You know, went out and spoke about too many things, offered too many services. Got it. Uh, classic mistake, right? Yeah. So now I've just said, okay, this is the one thing I do. And when I'm incredibly big, I will offer other services. Mm-hmm. But that you need to be at a certain level before people come and ask you for your not main service. So um, yeah, and it's, it's actually fun because that also keeps me in one lane. You know, right. this is the thing I do. This is these are the books I read. Mm-hmm. These are the people I follow. So I think it's a lot of advantages, not just for the client, but also for oneself. Stick in one lane. And
0: in, in other words, niche down.
1: Yeah, niche down really niche down. Mm-hmm. And even within public speaking, that is such a big right. area, you could even niche down a lot more. So I'm trying to hit solo entrepreneurs, like passionate soul entrepreneurs that, mm-hmm. you know, TEDx kind of people that have a message they want to share.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe they could be I don't know about dog training or the new meditation practice, whatever those people that work, and they can see that could be a great part of the business to go and speak, besides the training. So that's mm-hmm. one Area, I try to hit and then more the academic feel because it ties back to my own background so I kind of know that group well maybe it's too much to have two groups but uh, anyway it's oh. better than having 20
0: yeah and who you make the rules
1: yeah yeah definitely so so often it's the companies that ask me to go and do workshops that's more the academic part whereas the one-to-one training is typically more sole entrepreneurs and i like to do both Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're quite different,
0: and I'm I'm just assuming that the academics you can really speak that language with them, and they of course look at your your accomplishments and okay, you're kind of you're in. What do you really like to talk about if you're giving a speech? What do you love
1: to speak about? So what I talk about is is yeah public speaking. So those could be different areas. I always want to ask the client what's your biggest struggle. So one of the big things mm-hmm. I think people miss. When we are doing our audience analysis, we we look at all the facts, you know, age, uh, gender, education, Mm -hmm. all those facts, which which are nice to know, because if you know their educational level, you can probably, you know, what are the words you can use and how much abstraction can they handle and so on. Mm -hmm. But we need to look at the emotional side as well. Are they stressed when you come there? Are they afraid? Are they full of confidence? There's a kickoff meeting where everybody's super excited, you know, so you really need to look into that. Um, So that helps me look at what I should talk about. But otherwise, it could be fear of public speaking. It's a big thing for people. It It could be storytelling. How do you use it in a business context? Mm -hmm. It could be how to structure your talk, those sort of things. Um, Everything pretty much related within a talk. Um, But for, for me, the most important thing is really look at what do they need the most? And then also try to be what don't they know they need?
2: I was going to say Often
1: when I work with academics, uh, I need to help them tell uh, see you need to make it fun, you need to make it engaging it's not Mm -hmm. enough that it's great facts that it's great information, they will drift away. Yep, they will, and I don't care if you are the best in the industry, you need to have some sort of fun and engagement on stage. Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: And so you help people, again, with the storytelling piece, which we're definitely going to talk a lot about that, because so how difficult is it to get people to get out of that fact driven, you know, data and like really tap into their own stories?
1: It depends a lot on on the person you work with. Everybody's at a different level. Um, Sure, there can be professors who said, I've done this for 20 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: and then you
1: have to convince them that they might have a problem even though they don't think so uh, and how do you do that in, in a nice way tell them that your students are coming because they have an exam yeah they might not come right. because you are the most interesting to listen to maybe you are but you know i remember when i had math classes because uh, there was one auditorium packed with people and there was <laughs> one with very few because everybody has to have math so they had two auditoriums And, you know, the reason why,
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so, so I think it's a lot about seeing when you help them seeing their greatness, you know, saying there's nothing wrong with you. You just didn't have the proper training. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you've been told this your whole life that you got to start off with sharing your CV, who cares, you know, give them some value and I will care later who you are. Um, so those sort of things, you know, try to help them, lift them up and say, it's not really a mistake that, that kind of bridges the gap. And obviously sharing some failure stories yourself Mm saying, I used to do this. So, and then they're like, oh, he did it. Okay. He's not trying to better himself. So Mm -hmm. obviously you have to prove you're an expert, but you know, sharing a few failure stories kind of helps people ease up and open up.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
1: So I I would say it's very different how difficult it is. Right. But the main challenge is not to teach them it's to have them realize you have a problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Once you realize you have a problem. It's so much easier to teach them the things they need. Like if you know you have a problem, you're going to go look for that information. You're going to find Mm -hmm. the book, you're going to find the videos, the courses. But if you don't know you have a problem, you're not going to go look for it. So That is a big, big part of training people, make them realize they have a challenge.
0: you got problems.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're going to help solve it too. And. Oh yeah, true. It sounds That'll like be a little bit unfair if you just you've got a right. problem. We're going to help you
0: <laughs> point it out. See you later. It sounds like you give people permission actually. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, giving them permission to talk about themselves you a, and share these stories and these struggles and, and also showing that they, that their stories are of value. Do you hear that a lot? Like, oh, no one cares about that. It's not. uh, Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, we always think my story is not interesting, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, but but it really is. You know, all the stories we have are interesting. And most of the things we experience are the same things,
2: Mm -hmm. just
1: different stories. Right. We can relate to it. I think it was so good what you just said Mm. give people permission. Um, That's a really great phrase, you know,
0: LinkedIn headline. Um,
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's a great (laughs) phrase. Give people Mm. permission. Because I've struggled so much with this, you know, trying to live up to being someone I wasn't. And I thought for so many years, I should get appraisal because I'm good. Because you got to be the best. You can get appraisal when you're good.
3: Mm-hmm. You should
1: deliver great material. Sure, you can get appraisal for that. But you should just have value by being you. Exactly. And kudos to you. If you're trying your best, you, you put in the work. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's what we should be celebrating way more than the actual results. And that I've struggled with. So I think, um, yeah, good point you have there.
0: Yeah. Well, glad I could point that out. It it sounded exactly, yeah, definitely. And going back to the childhood part, you know, trying to get this recognition. And did you feel that mainly from your father or in other ways, like culturally, did you feel that as well?
1: No, I think it's probably mainly from my dad. Yeah, trying to live up to that, mm-hmm. uh, get that kind of recognition. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's probably part of society. We, like I just talked about, we recognize the people who do well
3: mm-hmm. and a little
1: bit less the effort. I think we should reward the effort more.
2: Mm-hmm. And I try
1: to do that with my kids. Often, I also fall into the trap. What a nice drawing! Of course, instead of saying, "I can really see you put in work. Oh, you're trying a new color. How exciting! Mm-hmm. You're trying to, you know. Tell them that they're doing good because they're trying. Right. Yeah. Rather than beautiful drawing. What can mm-hmm. you use that for the end of the day? Sure, it's nice, but. Um, it's the acknowledgement. Yeah, I think so. The, the thing that's behind that.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're breaking the chain, it sounds like, of this pattern. I hope
1: so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. I hope so. Definitely.
0: Definitely, which is huge. Again, you're very self aware, clearly and you've done a lot of personal development and personal growth to get you where you are so what was that journey like you know going from this academic world into this more personal growth
1: yeah uh so i think it probably started already when i was you know in the oil and gas industry mm-hmm. um, so yeah i took a course uh, within a psychological genre called nlp stands for neurolinguistic programming to so anybody interested, it's, it's a great, so many great tools and that kind of made me realize so many things, how we're affected by our feelings, by our thoughts, what we see, our surroundings. So that kind of sparked a whole new journey uh, into growth and, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of this as well. When one door opens and you kind of get into a new world, many new doors will open and you quickly oh, yeah. get interested. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that has helped me a lot. Uh, it's an interesting journey. I think because probably the first 30 years I spent it on learning a skill set, math, chemistry, all those sort of things, practical, whereas from the 30s, it was more of learning an inwards journey. Uh, And I think that's actually the most interesting journey. Always. Yeah.
0: I'm an NLP practitioner as well, and that changed my life completely. I'm like, how did I not really know about the subconscious mind and how much it drives everything in our life and being able to communicate effectively and and all that. Do you use NLP in your work then with clients?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm not doing like sessions with them. If Mm -hmm. I do have clients that sometimes have huge challenges, I will refer them to a person because I don't also want to be their psychologist. Right. But but yeah, I, I do use the tools to help them. Also, for instance, we have the um, eye accessing cues, you know, how you will look in one place to gather a picture, you know, you Mm move the eyes in certain ways. So I help my clients when they're telling the stories. I said, you you have to make the pictures before Mm -hmm. you go in and tell your story because you shouldn't be doing the work on stage. So once you know the pictures, once you've heard the sounds, you can so much more easily collect them on stage. Mm-hmm. it's so much easier to remember because our brain is wired for feelings and pictures mm-hmm. those are the things i'm saying that's what you got to share so i'm trying to merge it into the speaking training
2: mm-hmm. and not
1: always as a direct tool but sometimes as an indirect tool like this one
0: mm-hmm. um, right um, and i always ask about identity because it's it's interesting and and could you speak about that like how that shifted for you, or, or kind of what that means
1: for you nowadays? Well, well, yeah. What well, What do you mean exactly by identity?
0: Well, if so, you you were in academia, you you know oh. have that kind of identity, or and I'm I'm just guessing, but if you could talk about yeah. that process, yeah, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people put a lot of identity into our work, mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's um, always a big part of us. So I had to put a big part of my identity into being a dad and mm-hmm. a family. Right. So, you know, that's obviously shifted. But yeah, I think um, my identity is more like trying to help people rather than, you know, like prove I'm good <laughs> in the academic world. It's a lot about, oh, you made great results. Uh, it's very competitive in a not so nice way. where it's more like if one succeeds, the other one doesn't because it's all about funding. And there's, all, there's only a limited amount of funding was a speaker trainer, you know, everybody can come and get, and that's a business that can grow for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so, yeah, um, that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I feel just more relaxed about doing this because it's truly what I enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that has given me, you know, that has helped my identity doing something I love. Right. Feel, following that passion you, you really like, I think that's so important. Uh, and having that identity and saying you should only be doing work you you really like at least the majority of the time
2: mm-hmm.
3: to be
1: enjoyable. I'm like I'm trying to stick with an 80-20, you know, doing your accounting is not the most interesting. I'm trying to hustle these kind of things, but especially when you're a small business, you also try to keep your cost low. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that should be I think that that's probably been the biggest change in my identity. Do work you love.
0: Right. And what would you tell someone that was in your position, let's say like in an academic role and signed up for this huge, I mean a PhD is seven, eight years of schooling, so No, in Denmark
1: it's three, you do three years, in the US it's five, Right. in the US you also do a lot of courses, whereas in Denmark you mainly do your PhD, so I think you're evaluated more or less similarly. Okay. A lot of people start the PhD when they finished their bachelor. So they do the master's degree and PhD together mm-hmm. and my master's and then PhD. Okay. So, yeah. A lot of school. A lot of school. A lot of books. <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> um, yeah, to say because, more, right? <laughs> yes.
0: So what would you, let's say, you know, ask your, or if you're one of your children were in that struggle, you know, where they just mm-hmm. didn't know exactly what they were passionate about.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's a good question. I uh, joined a thing called Live Your Legend. And I remember it was like it, it's about finding your passion and then learning to live off of it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: there there were some great tools like questions. One of the questions I remember, what would you be doing if you weren't paid for it? I mean, yeah. I mean if you didn't have any money problems, what would you, would you do? I think that's a great question. Huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we need to make some money, but that should be Not your first thing, because that Mm -hmm. is based on fear, you're afraid you can't Mm -hmm. make the money, it should be, you should be thriving because it's fun and then the money should come. Um, So yeah, I think it's a lot about trying new things. Like I did, I was trying a bunch of different things, going to Toastmasters, different Mm -hmm. clubs, different events, and then you just see and, and it should be guided by your emotion. Does this feel right for you? Mm-hmm. Could you say, see yourself doing this for 10 years, you know, because it does take a little bit of time to get good right. and people so you can help other people. So it shouldn't be like a fad was like, Oh, it's fun for two weeks. It should be a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a lot about using the heart. And like I told you earlier, I grew up in a family, very academic or fairly academic with a lot of scientific approach, which is, you know, the mind is a lot from here and up. Yeah. But I think we, forget, it just felt great.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I don't care why it just felt great. Why don't I do more of that, explore yeah. that. So, yeah, I would say go and try different stuff for, for a while. Uh, if you like knitting, you know, mm-hmm. you make a business out of that. Get creative. You can sell right. stuff to somebody in Japan. You can sell your stuff to somebody in Chile. You, can, you don't have to sell it to the locals, mom, moms or dads <laughs> in the area. If there are only 500, I'm sure you couldn't make a business out of that probably, but you could, you know, be creative and, and, you know, do Mm -hmm. new things. I think everybody has the opportunity. If you like diving, why don't you become a diving instructor instead of waiting for those four weeks of vacation you have every year? You could do it every day. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. And right right after work, you plunge in if that's (laughs) your thing. so I think it's about being creative most people have things they like to do Mm -hmm. and it's about how could you leverage that to a work um yeah and if that one particular thing doesn't work try another three four five things Mm -hmm. so you're saying follow it follow your heart the feeling it feels good
0: and what about if well you definitely have an entrepreneur mindset a lot of people don't they're like. Not for me. Most people don't. So. okay. so you would encourage your children to be entrepreneurs as well, for example.
1: Uh, I would encourage people to do what they like. So I think for most people, it's probably the better path. But I'm Mm -hmm. not saying you should. Let's say you love politics and you want to go into politics. You cannot be an entrepreneur in politics in the system we have here. Mm -hmm. You have to be elected by other people. So in that particular sense, that wouldn't be a job suited to be an entrepreneur, right? Or there are other sorts of jobs where it doesn't make sense to be. Maybe you just came right out of uni and you said, okay, I wanna do my own thing, like you, within Mm -hmm. media. Maybe it could be a good idea to start your own thing as a side hustle and have a job where you gain some experience, one, two years. Don't do 10, 20, Mm -hmm. do one or two. You gain a little bit of experience and you get paid, you put a little bit of money aside and you do your thing. I would do that. And then there's a good thing, our good friend, Google, which is if somebody else has done it, why shouldn't you be able to do it? Exactly. I believe we are so capable, all of us, to do things. Most of us can learn incredible things if we put our mind to it. So Google it, other people doing it, so can you too. Yes, most Likely.
0: exactly, great. Great advice. So true. And such a yeah, what a time to be alive. I always say,
1: yeah, we didn't have Google. I mean, I didn't have when I grew up. I had the local library, Mm -hmm. my mom and dad's shelf. And that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't go into this route earlier, because I think I had it in me. But Mm -hmm. if you're not meeting it.
0: Right. Exposure. Yeah. To that kind of thing. And so when you give speeches, talks, present do you ever get nervous oh
1: yeah
0: okay because public speaking is oh you do
1: yeah (laughs) every single time time. but I I got my tricks you know yeah I got my tricks uh I'll bring my friends family along I'll have them right up above there in a little lamp you know I look up at them oh you're there with me you know they send me good karma they they don't always know they're with me Uh uh-huh that those kind of thing helps me Okay. I've also had enough, you can say, bad experiences Mm. where it didn't go well, and it's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. It is a learnable skill, like I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Almost anything can be learned. So if I did bad, it's just a question of going back, reflecting, and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, what can I improve? And hiring an expert that can help you to the next level. And, um,
0: you know, you learn it the tough way.
1: One time I did a speaking gig, it didn't go very well. My uh, I, have, I have twins, and at that time I think they're three or four months old, and mm-hmm. I had to speak in a morning seminar. And at that morning seminar, I thought, "Let me sleep as much as possible," because you know, with twins, and had a little bit older one, you don't get a lot of sleep. So I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, "Let me sleep as much as I can and skip my warm up." I always have a, like mm-hmm. a warm up routine to get mm-hmm. mentally ready. Yeah, so you listen to music, thinking you have positive thoughts, and you know, going through all the scenarios that could happen, and I skipped it. And I will never ever skip that again, because I wasn't ready. When you meet that resistance, you got to have something stored of great energy to handle that. Right. But it's one of the best learnings because now I know better how to handle Mm. an an aggressive audience member. How do you deal with it?
0: So that's what happened. You had an aggressive. Well,
1: there was one he didn't agree with me. You know, said it very frankly, and it's a little bit tough to get that one after two minutes. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, 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 brought me a little bit off balance. Right, um, but then you go home and you study. I mean, for a day, I thought, you know, is this my thing? But then I said, yeah, hell yeah, man, I'm going to show that guy. Yeah, going to get back on track, of course. Yeah.
0: Your ego stepped in, was like, no, we're going to.
1: Yeah, of course, and we're then gonna- you got to think every time it gets tough, somebody stops. If you're not oh, the yeah. one that stops, you'll be the one that succeeds. Yep. you'll be the one that's paid. So you mm-hmm. should be happy if it's difficult, because it means there are going to be more quitters.
0: So true. I love that you just said that yes, because that's really where, you know, like your true grit and your resistance and resilience actually, you know, because it's, if it was easy, don't you think everyone? Of course, of yeah.
1: course, everyone yeah. would do it. Everyone would have a podcast like you, it just like, <laughs> you know, how do you get in touch with people? How do you set up everything? Yeah. And do all yeah, the post-production.
0: Yeah. That is, we gotta love it. That's the thing like you said, and what could you just touch on your routine a little bit, your grounding yeah, routine? Sure.
1: So I got a routine. I got my YouTube, uh, uh, playlist. So I listen to the music that mm-hmm. kind of gets me in state. Uh, I do breathing exercises. One of the exercises I love to do is mm-hmm. actually, I got it from a Danish guy called Steve Savilian. He's, um, I think he used to be the one that held his breath the longest in the world. Whoa. Okay. I'm underwater, like twenty-two minutes or something. So he's a real expert when breathing. What 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 I do is I I take my arms out here, and then you want to be breathing in through your nose. Okay. This is how we're meant to breathe. That is in through our nose, and actually also out. But in this exercise, you breathe out through your mouth because you want to prolong the exhale. Mm-hmm. Because the exhale is what gives you relaxation. Mm-hmm. You know that you're like, ah. you know that feeling. But, right. Yeah. That's a slow exhale. So you take out your arms, you breathe in through your nose. And this open opens up here. And that means you can breathe all the way down to your way down in your abdominals. You, you, you gotta push your diaphragm, uh, diaphragm, I think you call it in English, right? Diaphragm. <laughs> diaphragm. Yeah, Diaphragm, down. On. So you put it out and you hold for a little bit, and then you flow out. And that should be about twice as long. I'll do that. Okay. 15 times, it Mm -hmm. gets you really energized. It gets you relaxed because if you're nervous, you breathe fast and quickly shallow or feeling good. You have a slow breath and a deep breath and the breath is the fastest way to tell your brain everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I will do visualization also the evening Mm -hmm. before and if it's a big event, I'll, you know, do days up to and the biggest problem people do is visualize things going well like oh i'm doing amazing people clapping they're cheering and yeah. you don't know if they're going to be cheering you don't know if they're going to be clapping sure i will visualize things going well but i will also visualize and that's what i learned from that bad experience mm-hmm. if there are things that go wrong so my mind is prepared okay there's a dude over here he says this is totally wrong whatever you're saying i have visualized that and that makes my brain go okay i've tried to cover every scenario I don't like. So Mm -hmm. a lot of fear comes from us not knowing what's gonna happen. And that's why a lot of people, when you go on stage, it's not, you cannot know what will happen, but most people don't have a problem writing a report because it's on paper, it's there, Yeah, not a problem. So I try to visualize both the good and the bad. So my brain is aware of every single scenario. Uh, So yeah, breathing, music, uh, walk, walking is great. Mm -hmm. Walking, you know, you gotta do that a little bit before. You burn off cortisol the stress hormone cortisol when you walk that off. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I mean, if you're hunted by a lion, are you going to walk or you're going to run? So if you're running, you're telling your brain, this is dangerous. You're walking, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty good. You know, like alpha males, they will take their time mm-hmm. They're not in a hurry. Right. Okay.
0: So right before you'll walk.
1: Yeah. Just yeah. in general, you know, and mm-hmm. I try to use people, you know, like, um come early smile with them get some energy you know if you can ping <laughs> off their energy that's great you shouldn't you should be able to be in a great state even if they're not right, right? Yeah. but if you can use some of that and create some spark some some smiles along you know you kind of get them with you that that's great
3: mm-hmm. but obviously
1: you should be so good you could handle it even if they are the most boring and their audience right but uh, most people are yeah. like, so yeah but that's a little bit of my routine yeah
0: yeah thanks for sharing that yeah.
1: that's no, really i love it yeah yeah and, and, and come early you got to come early so you don't never. stress.
0: us so true all those elements again the virtual thing cuts all of that out
1: yeah yeah right? yeah yeah but i set up this thing at least an hour before
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: now it's not a problem because we could have prolonged it but but i mean you have your time schedule and so on but um but yeah if it was alive you know it's nice to have set up everything mm-hmm. yeah be prepared right just yeah. Over-prepare, yeah, like. Over prepare sounds like Over over prepare really. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And how, how do you get out of? I struggle with this actually because I mm-hmm. I don't usually script things, but sometimes I do because mm-hmm. it, you know to hit a time um, you know keep it within a time frame. What are your tips on how to look? You know that what you're going to say, and then deliver it like it's the first time and it's coming straight from your heart.
1: Yeah, so what you got to do is you have to, like we talked about about a little bit earlier, you want to remember the pictures, mm-hmm. so you know, okay, that was the scene where I sat at the table. And then when you're sharing it, you, you, you share what comes to your mind, what you saw, what you heard, and you've done all of that work. So that is for your stories. What are the pictures mm-hmm. you see? What do you think you heard? So that should come to you and then share the stories with friends, with family, you know, every time you have an opportunity. Share it because repetition is obviously key mm-hmm. to learning. Now, memory experts don't only use repetition, it's one of their tools, repetition. But uh, I also use a thing called Memory Palace, mm. which is when I walk around my home, uh, I have certain numbers, like my fridge, which is in the other room, is number one. Mm-hmm. So if I start my speech, I start in the fridge, and I can place different things within the fridge. Let's say I want to share. An, A story about how I struggled. I could put in a bleeding heart that's tripping. My mind will remember this because it's weird. Uh And then I can move over to number two, which is my sink, because it has this little bit of shape. And then I can place all sorts of things there. And -hmm. then I will walk this route. So you can just see my couch here. This is a number six. This is number six in my house actually, because I had imagined that I could like lie like a a little number six Uh on the couch. So that's a number six. Right above me we have my lamp here that's a number 10 because it's round and then there's a string reminds right? you of 10 right mm-hmm. so people don't know this but when it comes to my home there's lots of numbers all around mm-hmm. um yeah and this is a great tool because you're not going to skip a part because you're not going to go from one to three you're going to go from one to two so i'll be my mind i know my route okay i did my one i go to my number two and i got it so there's a little bit of work in knowing your route putting that down i would write that down on paper repeat it and but I've helped myself, um, you know, put certain things and, so I can remember those numbers. But that is a little bit of work. And then you do your story, and you do your speeches and you can do your speeches at each of the points. I think Cicero um, uh, did that back in the back in Rome, he would walk around in his garden and use the memory palace. Okay, so I invented. Yeah, uh, I think I think he did pretty well. So I'm trying to learn from the best.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, Long way yeah. back. Yeah. 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 And- how many spots would you recommend? Ten.
1: Yeah, ten is pretty good. Obviously, if it's a longer speech, you probably need more, but mm-hmm. you know, I, can, I can usually do with ten.
0: Okay.
2: And,
1: um, yeah, and again, if you've shared it many times, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Or just for the fun of it, when I first learned this technique, I think a couple of years ago, I tried to learn all 45. Or how many presidents there are in the U.S. Then I had to use the road outside to get a few a few more numbers, because <laughs> you want to stick with five in each room, because it's very simple to jump yeah. from room to room. So you do okay. have five in each. Um, I yeah, 10 is good. But obviously, if you have a full day, mm-hmm. you might you maybe want to do longer. My seminars are typically three to six hours. So yeah, and, and, wow. and there's not a problem having your notes along.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if you just every now and then go and glance at them, you know, nobody's going to be, I'm just going to go check, we're on schedule, we got two hours left, I just want to make sure we're covering the best thing, you know, people are going to be okay with that, you can't do it all the time, but I always bring my notes, mm-hmm. just as a backup, I try right. not to use them, but it gives me comfort that I have them there,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, right, that's a really long seminar,
1: yeah, but time to fly if you're having fun, I <laughs> hope <laughs> my <laughs> participants are too, oh, I love that,
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good point but 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 i try to have
1: bulleted it and and, then you know have a main thing and then you have sub things below Mm -hmm. kind of gets it uh more in order and if you do miss a thing it's okay yeah Um, as long as you hit the main thing
0: the main points right yeah bullet points are great and you Mm -hmm. you had a video the other day on linkedin that was about the three types of stories or that the most powerful story is about facilitating change
1: yeah
0: or that a story I, is
1: that was the one on, on problem oh yeah was that about problem solving of the three, three different it was the, you, gotta, you gotta walk me through it the, let me remind I you my stuff.
0: <laughs> i have so much content everywhere
1: yeah
0: um <clears throat> it was really it was it you know caught my attention because it was kind of defining storytelling as a change yeah, yeah. and yeah, so
1: i got, got it now yeah yeah so
0: the three you, you spoke about three types of change
1: yeah um, those, those are actually the only three stories we can tell Okay, we're we're talking about change. And we often tend to tell the story that's the external change. Oh, I made this much money, right? uh, I saved this much amount of time, or I got my PhD, i got my diploma, I got a new fancy job a car, which is okay, you know, sure, we'll Mm -hmm. listen to it. But it's not typically not the most interesting thing. It's the inward thing. Because that's where we connect. What happened inside of you? Oh, you felt scared to on stage? Before you went on? Oh, yeah. You know, I shared my dad's story of so many people that have issues, you know, and they are relate. you know, people come up to me afterwards and say, oh, I, I was the only one. Yeah, so, no, no, no. You know, we're many. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit about your inner thing. And then there's a relationship, um, you know, relationships to people. And I think I used the example of uh, Star Wars, which mm-hmm. is great, I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you have Luke, obviously the external thing is you, you're gonna go out and beat the empire. And then there's a story with his dad, Darth Vader, He's trying to build that relationship with him.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's a tough one. And then there's the inner thing, him really believing in the force. That's what for me stands out in that movie. When he starts believing in the force, everything changes, but he doesn't in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Right. So you would share that that particular story.
1: Oh, that could be an example of uh, how then, you could share three different stories. Right. But to people who are <clears throat> working in a company, maybe you want to share uh, as a leader. First time I went out and had a workshop, I felt, you know, can I do this? Am I mm-hmm. afraid or whatever? You know, you want to share some inner things if you're a leader, and you say, you know what. I'm putting you out in this workshop. I believe in you, but just know that it's super fine if you have a few nerves about this. Because I remember when I started twenty years ago, you know, I was so afraid. Uh, you know, share that and you know those stories how he maybe overcame a little bit of the fear. Um, so so yeah, I think we need to dive into that mm-hmm. more than the external part.
0: Right, definitely, and. It- yeah, so I love those points because it's true. We want to know that that we're not alone, yeah. right, with our own struggles and inner world. And a lot of the time, we only see the external.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and those can be hard to relate to. A bit. You know, maybe you see somebody extremely successful, oh, I'm making eight figures. I can't relate to that. But right. I can relate to the first time you pick the phone and call a, a prospect, you know, potential client. And say, oh mm-hmm. no, it all, I can relate to that.
0: Right. Yeah. and then you know it's possible
1: yeah of course you know you, you, you hear how he did it, and maybe right. he failed and he tried a bunch of times and he learned a few techniques and like okay i'll try to do like he did mm-hmm. yeah
0: definitely yeah. so these are these are some questions i always ask people okay Um, what are you most proud of
1: um i'm always proud of my kids Um, But I'm actually very proud as well to have made the change to go from being employed to be my own and, you know, be independent
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and do the work I love. I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Being a good dad. I think that's Mm -hmm. makes me proud. You know, I make mistakes too, but I try to make a big effort to, to, you know, if I did something wrong, say I'm sorry or make up for it rather than just, you know, hide it. I think I'm pretty proud of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: Awesome. And looking to the future now, what are you looking forward to the most?
1: I think it's a lot about scaling my business because you can work one-to-one with people, but it's more of scaling it to work one-to-many. Yeah. Because obviously it's great if somebody walks in the door, I give them training. I like that because you get to work one-on-one and you get to be a little bit more intimate. But if you ultimately want to scale your business, you need to work one to many. So mm-hmm. it's not always to hunt to get that one. I'm doing it already, but I would like to do more. So if I am on a webinar and I speak to fifty people, it's going to be the same work if I speak to five hundred. Mm-hmm. So learning how to scale it, um, I think that's the big thing. Definitely. Yeah.
0: And what about uh, you getting on stage? Is there like physical stage is there anything on the horizon
1: i like i like to be on stage um right now i feel pretty good just being mainly on stage here in denmark
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because yeah i got three kids and you know they're still pretty small so if you're a speaker you should be available to travel if you really don't want to go to the bigger stages Mm -hmm. so yeah i like doing the physical thing as well but actually i enjoy very much virtual Mm -hmm. uh, webinar as well um so, yeah, that's I'm great going to be doing both. A lot of both.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. And where can people find you? We know LinkedIn, but and then talk a little bit about your services and like what what you're offering for people.
1: Yeah, well, um, the best place to find me is LinkedIn, I think. I put up videos every week, at least every week.
2: Yeah. And I
1: got my home page. You can put it in. It's called Tailana, which means the speakers in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and YouTube, but I, you know, I put some of my longer content I put up on YouTube. Okay. Uh, I still need to organize a little bit better, but you know, there I've one two hour uh, speaking gigs that I've just recorded and put up, so you can get a lot of value right there. Uh, but the service I really offer is if you have a message you are burning to get out there, and I know you do, you have something you are dying to share to the world because we all have. So if you're telling me you don't, I don't really believe you. So if you have a burning desire to share something with the world, I might be able to help you. I think so. Uh, give me a chat. Give me a DM, you know, message me. But what I help people with is all the stages in a, in a speaking job. If you are, you know, really nervous, let me help you with the fear. I mm-hmm. got to share, you know, how do you do your warm up routine? I can mm-hmm. help you with the structure. You know, how do you do a TEDx kind of structure? You know, mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot of TEDx people. I've worked with a lot of people. I have a structure, and I work very much that I have a system. So I give people like a framework, but that doesn't mean you are limited by the framework. Mm-hmm. It empowers you because you have a framework, right. you can expand from. So maybe if I have a client, I say, you know, do this framework five, ten times, and then you really get to know it, and you can then take things in and out and change it. So it should never be a limitation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how I work is. I work with you. I want to see who you are. I met so many people who've gone to people and they've been taught a bunch of techniques. You got to stand like this with your arms. You got to remember to smile. I want to find the greatness within you. What's your passion? How do we make you shine? So it's not so technique based, but it's much more inner based. I want the fire to burn inside instead of outside. You know, those people where you're like, yeah, you know, like it's not really you, but there are also people who are like, You know, they're really grounded. They're really, you know, you feel that enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. although they might not be saying as much or be as loud. That's what I want to find. I want to find your uniqueness. Tap into that because everyone has a different style. I like to go extrovert high energy doesn't mean you should.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I try to find people's greatness and then help them with that. I give them all the tools as well. The basics, how to do everything structure, all those sort of things, deliverables. But the most important thing is if you feel confident, things will come out. And you will share that to the world and you will help people. So don't try not to shine. I want to help you shine.
0: Mm. Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. So many people are afraid to shine. And it doesn't help anybody, not themselves, not the people to work with. You nailed it. Maybe it makes somebody a little bit pissed off because they're seeing they're succeeding, but you shouldn't worry about that person. They are just stuck in their own life and they're trying to bring you down. Don't be that one, shine, help people.
0: You give perm- people permission to shine.
1: Yeah, that, that's what you say.
0: Yeah, that's your new tagline. I, it was That was amazing. I felt your energy. Thanks. So you you have that.
1: What, I want to ask you a yeah. question, what do you think the most important thing is for a speaker? I'm going to make a video about this mm. this week. What do you think the most important thing is for a speaker?
0: For us, the most important thing for them to... Yeah,
1: as a speaker, the most important skill. If you could ah. pick one skill in terms of speaking, what would that be for you or anybody else?
0: It's a great question. The most important skill Mm, A skill set. I'm trying to think it's more about really removing like getting out of your own way. Mm. And when you said earlier about like that message that is burning inside, that is the most important thing and imagine it landing with one person. And really focusing on that rather than what are people going to think I mean all that. Mm all of our insecurities we're, we're all insecure about something you know and so in it i think that's what makes us human yeah it's because we care so if you could tap into that
1: it's it's a funny world and we got to care so much about the people we share the message to and mm-hmm. on the other hand we don't have to care at all right you know it's that balance yeah okay, that's so interesting you know you gotta right. give them love you gotta give them appreciation and on the other hand you gotta be tough, you don't like it. Okay, goodbye.
0: Right, and realize you're not for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, you know, I think you know. listen, of course, right. they could be right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, but that, I think that's a that's a killer thing you're putting on there that's very, very important. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, thank goodbye. you. I it, Going back to the being seen, so nowadays, you you essentially are helping people be seen, have their message be seen. In your own life, have you made peace with that? Let's say that maybe not feeling that in your early years, or do you feel like you still struggle with that a little bit?
1: Uh, oh yeah, there's always a little bit. Um, I think it's like a comfort zone thing, or mm-hmm. like a muscle. Like If you don't put out content, if you don't speak regularly, Mm-hmm. We tend to go into our comfort zone and be like, "I better just stick, stay on my couch, watch Netflix," right? Yeah. But if you do it a lot, it's going to be easy. Um, I remember when COVID just hit; and, you know, my business kind of stopped for a few months because huh. I got to, you know, figure out how is this thing working and people. Right. Were, you know, I was speaking. That's later. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't speak for a while, uh, and I remember, you know, getting back in the rhythm. It took a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. because I've done it, it was easier, but if you're new, uh, you have, have to also grow that muscle. Yeah. So yeah, what was your question? Thank <laughs> you. Oh, I'm like, eh. It was about the, the being seen. Oh, the fear. You yeah. Know? No, no, it, it's still a big thing and not a big yeah. thing. It's, it's a minor thing, mm-hmm. I would say, but it's still there. I mean, we are born, I think, to be afraid to some degree, Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: we live in a we at least we used to live in a small community and we were dependent on the other people, right? So subconsciously, it's in the back of your head. If people Mm -hmm. don't like me, you're not going to get food. You're not going to get safety, you're not going to find a partner. So it's there. But obviously, the intellectual part of me can go, you know what? There are other people I can have fun with. Uh, If they don't like my stuff on LinkedIn, you know, fine. so so yeah, I think it will always be there because it's just so ingrained in as mm-hmm. human beings. It is. So we can yeah. learn to to, to, uh, to handle it so it doesn't limit us too much. Mm-hmm. But I think people's success is to a large degree correlated with how well you can handle the fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And failure, right?
1: Yeah, failure, fear. You know, you're okay with that. Like. I mean, I haven't made enough failures because if I made even more, I would be further ahead. Mm. So, you know, mm. the more failures we make, the further we are. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still there. But uh, I'm, I'm cool with making videos and going online now.
0: Yeah.
1: Stuff. Um, but, yeah.
0: It's the, it's the message. Many messages.
1: Yeah. yeah. It is. But to everybody, you know, go out there and do your thing. Uh, and share it because you are helping people. And you're growing from it. And it's always going to be there to some degree. And for people who say they are not afraid, they probably are. You know, I've often been in the back of the room with people before a speaking gig, and you know, maybe I've trained them or helped them in some way. And say, "No, I'm not afraid. I'm not really nervous." When I see them before they go on stage, yeah, they were afraid.
2: Mm-hmm. They were nervous.
1: Like, why didn't you? You know, I could have helped you actually more if you told me. Right. Um, just being macho and like, I don't have a problem.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So you come across that with men especially
1: uh i mean no i don't think so uh i don't know if it's a man thing maybe it is uh most of the people i come here with uh, they they will tell me they will open up Mm -hmm. and i will open them up uh so it's not that bad of a thing it's more like if i'm at a big speaking gig and i go and i see a client okay you know you have a chat with people like no i'm cool with it you know and then you can see there are really not. So one of the service I actually give is if it's in Copenhagen, I go see them and record it because you know one thing is when you're training, another thing is when you're on stage,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: behave differently when the nerves right. are on. So and then you can actually also feel the room. There's a lot of things going on in the room, mm-hmm. and then they might not be aware of that because maybe they are not trained to see it uh, feel the energy mm-hmm. in the room or things that happen or, you know, so that is also one of my services So mm-hmm. um, to, to go see them and then do the whole thing.
0: Yeah. From start so, just behind the scenes Yeah,
1: and- you know, because yeah, you know, there are many things. It's not just what happens on the stage. What yeah. happened with the speaker before, you know, with mm-hmm. the like share or afterwards or, you know, I have people that, uh, told me, oh, you're on in 10 minutes and then they start introducing me a minute after. You know, those sort of things can happen. And how do you react if you're there and with a client, how are they going to react and so on? So there are all sorts of things uh, that, that makes sense to go there and see them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That would but be great. If, if it's virtual, I just say, record it and try to get a bit of the room as well. Uh-huh. Uh, preferably you could put up two cameras, one on yourself and one on the audience, because you can see uh, how the room works a little bit better if you record them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask always for permission to that, obviously
0: to film the audience. Yeah,
1: yeah, should, yeah.
0: Oof, that would be, that would be hard. Ugh. Well, you, you have to organize to do it,
1: if, if I do well, it for a gig, you know, or I'm, I will make it a benefit for them. I say, I'll do the recording because then you can have it afterwards. It's not gonna cost me a thing mm-hmm. to give it to them. Right. I'd like, yeah, we, we would love it. But obviously that means I need to record it.
0: So. I'm just thinking of uh, like watching the audience as you're speaking
1: no you should you shouldn't watch it on the video that's for afterwards
0: for after right but it would be
1: yeah you You can look at them afterwards Mm -hmm. yeah
0: everyone's on their phone
1: sometimes yeah you know it's the sad fact that often people are but it's because yeah maybe they get the right training so yeah
0: yeah. exactly they need not
1: when you're speaking they need you
0: (laughs) I'm sold, I mean, I, public speaking is definitely top biggest fear. And and just having this conversation, I've, I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone that li- listening will as well because it's, it is a skill. And I think sometimes we believe that it's, it should be natural and, that, and some people it's not a, they are good at it naturally yeah. or they might've just had more experience.
1: Yeah. You know, but there's a backstory to everything. One mm-hmm. guy I worked with, he was an amazing storyteller from day one but he grew up in a family where they would share stories, yeah. you know, they would sit around and, you know, tell stories to each other. Of course you're going to get good. Mm-hmm. If you're a child and your tar- parents tell you stories and you have three siblings that are also sharing stories. Yeah. You will learn naturally. And people think he just has a talent for it. No, he just had different circumstances. Right. I didn't grow up in that kind of environment. So I had to learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. But I see that as a benefit because I learned it myself. And I found a way to learn it. Whereas if you're just natural, I don't think there are naturals, then it's like, I don't know, I'm good. I just do it. Mm -hmm. I can help my clients. It's like, this is the process. I can break it down for you because I've been through it. Yeah. Right. It's not a bad thing to have struggles.
0: Yes, exactly. And then you have so many stories.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like a good thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I have loved this conversation. Thank you for sharing your story many stories and 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 giving some like really tangible tips too it's really helpful thank you
1: i really enjoyed it amazing questions
0: Uh, awesome i'll link all your info in the show notes so people can find you and thanks again thank you so much for listening to this episode brought to you by be Scene productions If you enjoyed this conversation, find and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to go ahead and leave a five-star review, that would be amazing as well. If you're looking to elevate your on-camera presence and create engaging videos, check out bsceneproductions.com or just connect with me directly on email, willowatbeseneproductions.com. I also hang out on Instagram at whereiswillow. Thanks again for being here. See you in the next episode. Until then, keep carving your own fucking path.